Hello there. Yes, you. Welcome to Banana Phone. My name is obviously Tanlume Inyatsing. And on this episode, we join change agent Mike Mavura and art curator Storm Janse van Rensburg as they exchange observations on all things race, art and identity. Enjoy! Okay, so Storm, do you want to start by maybe introducing yourself and the work that you, that you, yeah, that you do? Thanks, Mike. I'm sure. Uh, yeah, my name is Storm Janse van Rainsburg and uh, I'm a curator. I started my career off thinking I'm going to be an artist. I studied fine art, um, but then through, I guess, some uh, fate and, and, you know, kind of life took me on a very different journey. Um, related. So, uh, yeah, I've been focused on curatorial practice since the mid-90s in various contexts and capacities, um, including, you know, early on in kind of experimental space um, through to non-profit areas. I had a stint in the commercial world um, and then as an independent curator internationally in Germany and in the United States. And then, uh, yeah, uh, went into the museum world as a curator um, and then came back to South Africa just over a year ago um, to yeah, take up a position as senior curator at Zeitz Mocha here in Cape Town. So yeah, a very short um, yeah, curator in and out, you know, all in all. Uh, related practice is writing, um, but writing is something I find very hard and difficult. Um, <laughs> But uh, I, I don't know how writing is for you, but ultimately yeah. I think my, my engagement is with artists and objects and ideas. How about oh, you? Fantastic. Um, it's a very difficult question for me to answer, like, what do I do? Because I double in, in so... Uh, in what might look like they're very distinct uh, worlds, but to me they somehow connect. So. My background is in politics and international relations. Um, that's what I studied at university um, up to PhD level, but I've always been interested in, um, in the art world and in curating. So that's always been something that has been running um, along as, as I've been studying um, politics. So I've done like the British Council curatorial projects in Zimbabwe. I've done the Lagos Biennale um, uh, curatorial intensive. I've uh, done quite a few projects, uh, art projects as well. Um, I think the latest one that I've done is um, Stellenbosch Triennale, where I curated an exhibition there, but I'm also of, uh, a trustee of the Stellenbosch Outdoor Sculpture Trust, which is the, um, the organization that came up with the idea of um, inaugurating the Stellenbosch Triennale. But I also double in um, education. I'm a lecturer in visual studies at the Stellenbosch um, Academy of Design and Photography. So they, they might seem like they're three disparate uh, worlds, but I, I see sort of like uh, common threads that, that run through uh, all these uh, sort of like three, three fields. So yeah, that's, that's, that's it about me. Mike, was it a kind of a particular point where you moved into the art world or was it something that happened gradually? I think it happened gradually. It's almost like these things run concurrently for me because, yeah. 
So for, for some, uh, today I might get um, an opportunity to write an article about foreign policy or international relations, and then tomorrow I might be asked to curate um, an exhibition maybe at the Novao. I've created a, I've curated an exhibition at Novao Foundation. And then tomorrow I might be in front of a classroom teaching visual studies. So they, they do run concurrently. So yeah, I suppose it's the, it's the beauty of being an independent curator that you're not uh, necessarily sometimes attached to an institution, although it's got its own, you know, um, drawbacks. Yeah. And you're based in Stellenbosch, right? I'm based in Stellenbosch at the moment. Yeah, I did stay in Cape Town for quite some time. And then with the Stellenbosch Triennale happening this year, I, I just thought it was important for me to actually be situated in the location where we were launching this, you know, Triennale, just to be much more in tune with the context in which we are going to launch this uh, this project. Yeah. No, I mean, it's interesting also kind of thinking about that specific spaces. And I think our, our conversation will also lead to to the exact, you know, this context that, we, that we're working and operating and the kind of challenges and opportunities that they, that they present. Um, yeah. I'm also just thinking my sense is that you say you dabble in this and dabble in that. I think it might be more than dabble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, just from what I... The bit that I know about your practice uh, is very connected, engaged in, you know, both context and in very invested ways, um, intellectually as well. So, yeah, it's really great to have have a conversation with you um, and, and talk with you from the, the brief and the prompt that we've gotten is quite, um, quite, quite a, a hefty one. So, yeah, it's really wonderful to talk through it with you. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm interested in yours because you you also you know you came from uh, like you're saying you went overseas and then coming back to such an institution as the Zeitz, which you know is the um, it's an institution that is uh, you know elicited a lot of excitement on the African continent, but I suppose it also comes with its own you know pressures and complexities. How have you found that maybe even in relation to the topic uh, that we have been, you know, prompted to to speak about here, race, art, yeah, and identity. How would you situate that with your practice at, at the Zeitzmoker? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so I mean, first of all, I'm also just want to say that you know we we always make an effort to 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 tell people that we Zeitzmoker, you know, Museum um, of Contemporary Art Africa. You know, it's yeah. such an important part of of that identity. Um, I mean, the, the prompt to come back home was very real from an uh, in, invitation from Koyo Kuo, who's our artistic director, um, sorry, executive director and chief curator. Um, and, you know, conversation that, you know, happened, you know, almost a year before I returned um, about coming back home. And I've had this very deep desire to return back to South Africa. I left in 2012 um, for personal reasons. Um, to to Germany um, for a relationship, and I think that kind of set aside as being away from home a, a whole set of experiences that made me understand how how deeply connected one is to the place that you're from. Um, and I was, you know, for the, the almost eight years that I was outside of South Africa, was always on temporary visas. It was never in my mind a permanent, you know, kind of leaving um, an immigration, so to speak. It was really, you know, kind of things that led from one thing to the next. Um, 
but I mean, I digress a little bit. The, the but this kind of like deep desire to be back home and to be back in the. I don't know how to say this, but it's almost like the kind of when I, you know, I spent the last five years before coming here in the United States and the, the last election in the States really prompted a very deep rethinking about kind of my purpose and what I'm doing and what, what, what's the role of a curator in, in our social context um, and especially in our political, um, in, you know, environments. And in that particular point, I was in the, in the deep South in the United States and, you know, the election of Donald Trump looming. And so the, this kind of pressure and kind of uncomfortableness to say that, but what's going on here is not sitting right with me. How do I justify being in this environment and being in this context? And of course, we also know that the leadership doesn't make the people. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, that distinction I want to make very clearly, but like certainly a very troubled political environment. And so uh, kind of a deep thinking started happening about my next move, but also understanding that, with with art, with contemporary art, we have an opportunity to engage very strongly with with the things that social issues or political issues or the issues of our time, and not necessarily in a didactic way, but it yeah. kind of like reaffirmed the role that we have as cultural workers and practitioners in the world, and that's important. And and that also prompted me then a kind of almost a readiness to understand that as troubled and difficult and complex, you know, a South African context is, this is my place and I need to come back and this is where the work still needs to happen. So the, the invitation from Koyo came at the right time. Um, so it was really a wonderful opportunity to be back here. So sorry, it's a little bit of a longer answer to your question, but coming back to the institution, and I think we will speak more about it, it is, um, you know, when when Koyop came to to the institution, it was you know it is an institution in crisis. Um, yeah. It's well documented and recorded. Um, it has gone through another major crisis with the pandemic um, and the kind of subsequent fallout, you know, economically um, that that we are experiencing. But again, it is also the understanding that we're going to be a young institution for a very long time, and hopefully we can also not necessarily as individuals, but also collectively put the building bricks of the building blocks in place for an institution that is really there as something that lives up to the aspirations of the continent. And it's a big task and it's a big responsibility and we take it very seriously, but it is a process. Institution making is process. Um, so that's that's how we see it. And I think it's a, also an, a moment for us to really kind of look really establish what kind of institution we want to be. So I don't know if that answers your question. Um, no, because I think from the outside, I'm also sometimes very curious how 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 it come across. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, 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 that's that's interesting. Yeah, it's just interesting how the all the plans that uh, people had or almost like the the projections that institutions had have just been fundamentally affected by by this crisis. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And likewise, I mean, also, you know, the, the, the pandemic hit, you know, you know, while the, the Stellenbosch Triennale um, was still on, right? Um, yeah, so yeah. So affected so, your, your work quite, quite radically. Yeah, we, we, we consider ourselves a bit, uh, in hindsight, we actually consider ourselves a bit, a bit lucky. Maybe I should just start by giving the context of the Stellenbosch Triennale um, mm. a little bit. Yeah. 
So I think for for South Africans, uh, I think Stellenbosch, the name the name Stellenbosch elicits all kinds of uh, uh, reactions because um, I think the stereotypes around Stellenbosch is that you know it's the it's a town that is seen as conservative. It's a town that has got uh, the second oldest university in South Africa, which is uh, Stellenbosch University, and it was uh, traditionally the um, the institutional hub of um, apartheid ideology, you know. So I think the stereotypes that are around Stellenbosch are around this is a rich town, it's a rich white town, it's conservative, it hasn't changed or moved with the times. So um, there is a association in Stellenbosch that's called the Stellenbosch Outdoor Sculpture Trust, which had been doing uh, outdoor exhibitions in Stellenbosch from like, I would say up from about uh, 2010 until like 2017. So they had done quite a few of these, you know, they had the hang of it of, of knowing how to do this, but they felt that the time was right because they had gone through these processes, uh, gone through a lot of lessons, um, gone through a lot of um, relationship building in town. They tell me that when they were applying to have their first outdoor uh, like sculpture exhibition in Silambosh, it took uh, nothing less than 30 meetings with the municipality to have wow. these kinds of approval. So, so things take time. You know, you were talking about the zites uh, and the process. You know, so process is really important. And I think sometimes we want to rush things, but I think process and time is something that is really important in this thing. So, anyway, after after having done this for for some time, they then realize, you know, let's take things to the next stage, uh, to the bigger stage. So. That's where they branched out and tried to bring in new people uh, and other people with different ideas. So they reached out to me to join the trustees, to be one of the trustees. Luckily, what I had done uh, by the time I was invited, and I always tell this to, to creatives as well, that when opportunities come, you have to be ready. Um, you have to be fortified and ready to say that I'm going to add value to whatever institution or to whatever opportunity comes my way. So what i had done was take a trip a uh, self-initiated trip but which was then uh, subsequently sponsored by uh, pro elvisia and the stellenbosch um, academy of design and photography partly where i took a trip from uh, south africa all the way to tanzania researching on imaging uh, art institutions on the continent so-called mm -hmm. project spaces you know angelele uh, art space in Harare. um Modzi Art in Zambia, Village Union in Zimbabwe, Waza and Picha in DRC, uh, Nafasi Art Space in Tanzania. So I literally traveled the southern part of the continent uh, via public transport, going from space to space, even starting with Botswana with Tapong Art Space as well. So I had collected um, like a rich, um, you know, knowledge base of what's happening within Southern Africa with project spaces, which are essentially new institutions in the making, new art institutions in the making that you know, young creatives and artists and curators on the continent are actually creating. So I brought that knowledge to the Stellenbosch trustee, um, Outdoor Sculpture Trust, and I said, I think we, we all agreed, I think that it was a good idea to maybe do a, we started off with the idea of a Biennale and then we moved to the Triennale just because it gives us a little bit of a longer funding uh, cycle to look for funding. Uh, and we wanted this to be 
you know, con to really use arts to connect this town that was seen as conservative to the African continent because we're unapologetic by, about the fact that Stellenbosch is a town, firstly in South Africa, but it's actually an African town. It's, it's part and parcel mm -hmm. of Africa. And we thought that, you know, connecting Stellenbosch with the very best of what's happening on the continent in terms of creativity will actually allow us to to open the conversations around the difficult conversations that need to be uh, to be to happen in this town. So that's no, that, what we did. And that's and then, so, so important. Yeah. Yeah. No, go ahead. Sorry. No, no. So and it's, and it's such an, uh, you know, even, you know, a kind of an engagement and thinking through what what um, about Cape Town in a similar similar way and that we we are connected. And just on that point, that it made me think sometimes that the it's almost like a reconnection that needs to happen also because you know there has been you know the the kind of historic connections that's also been severed or that has but not that's been neglected as well um, you know through through the processes of of, of history um, yeah. but it's important work then to kind of like for us to reconnect this and 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 and. and, and uh, wonderful way to hear also about your journey you know through the continent um because i think that that, that the connecting with it physically as in person is such an important uh, way to to also bring those networks back um back back here yeah i think it's so it's so important and and you know what storm is um the thing is that we we can find all it's it's easy to find excuses you know, I don't want to go to the DRC because I don't think, you know, it's tickets are expensive, this and that. There's always something that we can yeah. we can find and sit sit with to say that's why I, that's why I'm not doing this. But I think it's such an important point that you're making that the physical connections that you are physically visiting these spaces are connecting with people because ultimately art is about people you know so yeah. connecting with 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 people and you see more than just art you know you 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 get to experience the country there's more than art there's food there's the politics of the country there's music there's all these things so for me what then that really helped me is to really understand some of the artists that are coming uh, or emerging on the continent because sometimes we we just focus on the visuals you know, but these people, you when you go to their context, you realize that there's such a uh, an interrelated ecosystem that includes musicians, that includes writers, that includes other practitioners that actually, you know, make up the um, uh, sort of like the the collective ecosystem that then, you know, supports this artist to to really um, uh, create their best. So. It was just important to it was it was really eye-opening for me to do that because for me it was almost like i'm doing studio visits across southern africa yeah. um and then to bring all that to uh you know to try to bring that still and that's that knowledge back to south africa uh and to really connect south africa and uh, in particular Stellenbosch with the rest of the continent via arts i think it's it's it was um it's, it's important you know, I, I don't want to veer off our topic here, but, you know, at some point, you know, but I think it's related, is that we also, you know, if we're going to talk about race um, and identity, you know, in the visual arts or in general, then I think one should also, in a South African context, speak about xenophobia. Um, mm. And, uh, you, you know, because we, 
yeah, I don't know if I'm throwing too much of a, a big, big clunker into the conversation here, but you know, my my sense also has been so much about as a South African, a white South African, um, that you know, kind of historically, you know, apartheid had its very real uh, distancing kind of it was cut off it cut itself off from the continent and it was cut off from the continent um you know uh you know kind of so it had this kind of disconnect you know historically um, yes and you know and not to oversimplify in any way but that these disconnects is also you know i don't know if it's even a disconnect this may be a kind of too too soft a term to call this but this rupture thing um has continued into the present, um, and also, you know, various other other kinds of um, you know issues has come with this relationship to others from the continent. Um, but yeah, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Um, yes, yes, I think it's a very, very important thing that you that you say because you know the apartheid ideology was based on um, you know white supremacy. You know, mm -hmm. so. What apartheid did was to see the rest of the continent as, you know, the continent, the dark continent, so to speak, in uh, inverted commas. So there was a sense of a South African exceptionalism mm. uh, that was built, inbuilt around apartheid. And you can see it now, even the manifestations around South Africa and the borders that they try to build around the continent. So whereas the rest of the continent was practicing pan-Africanism, you know, mm. let unite and combine and do away with borders and so on and so forth on the continent south africa was practicing south african uh, exceptionalism and some of the um, uh, you know like the vestiges of that you still see them in contemporary times around even the visa regime i think yeah. we talk about how both our institutions or our practices have yet to be affected even by you know just the visa regimes of trying to bring creatives from the rest of the continent whether they be curators artists um, yeah. Or people who are going to add value to to the work that we do within our institutions. How that's so difficult to get them to come, uh, you know, to 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 our institutions. I'll give you an example. For example, uh, Ibrahim Ahama couldn't make it for the Stellenbosch Triennale because he couldn't get his visa approved. You know, it's it's quite interesting when you put it in that context to be like an artist of the stature of um, Ibrahim Ahama gets his uh -huh. South African visa denied you know and it's 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 complex but it's um it, it 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 links to politics it links to power and but you can trace it back to this idea of you know south african exceptionalism that really came from uh from the apartheid time so yeah it's it, it's um it's a complex situation great so we have been posed a question which is um if we can each identify a specific artwork that has influenced or impacted the way that we think about race and ethnic identity and visual culture. Um, do you want to go first, Mike? <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> so, so for, you know, I saw this question and then I was like, you know, do, is there um, uh, a specific artwork that I would say, you know, influenced or impacted the way that I think about race or ethnic identity and visual culture? And I think for me, it's a, um, it's actually quite a few artists. So people like Kerry James Marshall, Kara Walker, you know, Lynette uh, Yadombokaye, uh, Singa Samson, Zanile Moholi, uh, Jared Sekoto, Lola Amira. And why I'm just naming all these names is that 
I think I, I was really glad during my, uh, you know, on my way of just learning about art and art history to really see these artists. Some of them are obviously contemporary. Some of them are of an era uh, gone, but how they managed to paint almost like uh, a blackness into art history. And I think that's really important in terms of visual culture. But also if I'm thinking, you know, about a, a specific artwork that has influenced the way I impact um, or impacted the way I think about race and ethnic identity. So firstly, I, I, I listed a few artists, but I do like the, um, the institutional building that I experienced when I did my trip around Southern Africa, you know, spaces like Village Unu, Jelele Art Space, Modzi Arts, uh, Waza and Picha. Because I think this is quite important. This, I actually, you know, we call them project spaces, but I think they are actually institutions in the making. And what I like about them is that they are location. You know, these are spaces that are happening or that are popping up in the in our cities, in the in in spaces that you know are neglected in 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 townships in. In, on the periphery of cities, and they are, they are opening up spaces for young people to to practice arts, to to have conversations, to experiment, um, and to just be. And I think that's really really important uh, in contemporary times because I think then they really uh, impact the way that people think really about you know identity, especially in visual culture. And 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 I like that. Some of these spaces are doing this away from uh, whiteness, you know. So it's a conversation that's happening around what do we need to do within our context, and not only uh, latching on the conversation around, or oh, whiteness is the problem within our uh, our context, because you know these things are complex. You know, we're speaking about a post-colonial time, and I think different contexts um, require different things. So. What we might experience in South Africa with its, you know, apartheid legacy and so on and so forth, might be different to what a city like Arare is experiencing, yeah. in a city like, um, you know, uh, Lubumbashi is experiencing. Although we do know, you know, we're all existing in, in this post-colonial. Uh, Correct. Yeah. For you, Tom, um, any any specific artwork? Yeah. Before I go there, I just want to, you know, maybe. Uh, you know, carry on a little bit with we were going with this now, because I think also the, you know, there's, there's also the American context that, um, you know, kind of has been, you know, kind of in the more recent years been quite prominent, but, uh, and I, and I, and I'm glad that you also kind of like, you know, of course there's like inherent, um, you know, kind of similarities about how white supremacy sits within institutions um, and rules, you know, um, and governs and, and, and kind of, you know, informs forms ideology. And I want to come park this for a little bit and come back to it. Um, yeah. But just to say that I think for me, a formative um, moment and experience of thinking through race and representation and identity in contemporary art was um, in the mid nineties. Um, and it's not necessarily an artwork, but I think a, a kind of a very closely felt um, debate that was sparked by um, the Oquin Weasel's 1997 essay called uh, Reframing the Blacks, Black Subject, Ideology and Fantasy in Contemporary South African Representation, yeah. in which um, he really, you know, I think in the most eloquent Black Oquin did way 
dismantled and put his finger into a kind of a very particular precise moment in time and place um, and kind of like ruptured the boil, so to speak. Um, and it was a, a kind of an informative because I was then very a young curator. You know, I was at the market at the galleries at the time. And, you know, in short, um, you know, kind of in Okwi basically, you know, kind of asked very tough questions to white artists um, about the representation of black bodies, um, the, the way that that, that blackness um, is and how others are spoken on behalf of um, and kind of essentially led to a kind of awareness of thinking around also kind of like how um, you know, kind of how whiteness permeated the South African, you know, kind of art world and art scene. So the kind of things that you one, you know, just take for granted as a white person. Um, so, yeah, I think it was a very important and it, of course, spawned a whole kind of like debate and subsequent publications and, and, and polemic. But I think that was a kind of a very important moment as a young person to understand and think through critically also with self-reflection and self-criticality about um, you know my own position within the art world and kind of like how how one relates and what the kind of the core issues are so um, I, yeah I think that was definitely a, a very important um, kind of part of my growing up so to speak um, and thinking through through race and racism um, and representation and identity but there's, of course, uh, artworks and artists that has, you know, kind of been very important in this journey as well of thinking through it. And I just want to kind of maybe come back to, yeah, I'll come back to it later. But yeah, that's 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 my my take on it. Okay, fantastic, fantastic. And maybe leading on to 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 that storm. Um, there's a seminal question that we've been asked here. Do you think African artists today have an ethical or moral responsibility to produce work that reveals and challenges the structures of domination that affect the lived conditions of African people? Um, you know what? I, I, I'm loath for us to, to kind of provide artists with, you know, kind of, strict rules and responsibilities in a way of what they should and shouldn't do. Um, but that said, I think it's important for us to be able to provide platforms and opportunity for for narratives and, and stories and kind of viewpoints and opinions to be based. And I think and that it, that should it should come from a real and critical place. Um, so, you know, I think it's a, that we, we have a kind of a very important way to um uh you know kind of like how to say it i mean i'm this this question kind of i'm, I'm struggling a little bit with it in, in that way because yes we have a responsibility but also like we can't i i don't think we should and could be prescriptive about what what should and could be said um yeah so that's just kind of a, a very short i don't know what you think about this um no, I, I agree with you. I, I don't think we should ever be prescriptive to to artists, you know. Um, I think we are living in very complex times, but we, you know, if you look at the world in terms of just uh, historical epochs, uh, the world has always been complex, you know, and I think artists should be given the freedom to 
to uh, to deal with the issues that they see fit uh, depending on you know context depending on interests and depending on um, you know how they want to contribute to to things it'll be good if artists were critical because I think that's their role we'll always have enough artists who are critical uh, of uh, power who are critical of situations who are critical of things so I think it's a spectrum for me um I don't think we should be prescriptive because I think you find that even in, and I think this question was more leading to the times that we are we are living in, and with the situ, with the issues that um, the world is currently grappling with. And I think there are many ways in which um, artists or anyone for that matter can contribute to the cause. Because what's to say that if I want to, if I if I'm an artist and I and I love to paint, you know, the natural world or nature. Um, and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to change my art or my practice to really reflect or to be, you know, um, to have that responsibility to produce work that reviews or challenges the structures of domination. Yeah. My interest is in nature, but maybe then I make a little bit of money and I contribute that money to the cause, you know. So I think there's a spectrum in which uh, different people and artists can actually um, contribute to the cause. But I think fundamentally just beyond even artists we should all live an examined life i think that's what the world is calling for you know an examined life where we examine our um, our viewpoints on the world the things that we believe in uh, can we put them under critical examination and really like you know uh, get into the guts of why is it that i believe what i believe in and if we examine our you know prejudices and our uh, our standpoints on things like race, gender, religion, and so forth, and so on and so forth. I think, I think that's 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 all we can ask for. Absolutely, I I, I sometimes compare it to to you know if, if art was music, you know, like um, you know everything can't be on the same note and as and and at the same you know note and tone and loudness you know it will be unbearable you know we 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 have to think also as art as you know that ebbs and flows and 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 has nuance and sometimes is played very softly um and sometimes comes very strongly and punches you know with force so the 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 and, and that that we should allow and give artists and and our institutions the space to to play all of the that um you know and and different times of course so uh but i think you know the the issues are very real and i think there is definitely you know in my own career as a curator i have always been very attracted also to also what you've said you know critical criticality um yeah. that we that practices that do grapple and and kind of like take issue or or that 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 that's interested and kind of connects to 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 things but at the same time then also that i feel i mean i'm going to say something very strange maybe but you know when i lived in berlin yeah i had this awakening almost where i was like you know all these european artists they can just make something about nothing they have the luxury, you know, no one is yeah. questioning them, you know, they, you know, they can, it's, it, this doesn't have to be a 
you know, a wall text. They can just it can just be little bit of small tiny things in a big huge gallery, you know. And it but we always as as you know kind of African practitioners have to justify, you know. And I think that's not fair. That's not right, you know. Um, and so you always want to know where somebody from, what is their context, with you know, blah, all of these things. And of course, it's important. But like, can we just make work? Can we just make art? Can we just present it? You know? No, no. Thanks for that. I think it's a yeah, yeah. I find that it's it's once you're an African artist, you're always settled with the, you know, what is your what is your criticality? What is your what are you doing for this cause? You know, what are you doing for that? And yet the rest of the, you know, Western artists are not do not have those restraints or constraints um, on them. So absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, I'm also curious to hear about, you know, the work, you know, that you're doing at Stellenbosch Triennale. Um, and there's a question that's phrased also because you, you know, you're also positioned within, you know, a space that is predominantly white, you know, um, or yes. perceived to be white, where power still rests with, with whiteness. So just curious about speaking about those experiences. Yeah, thanks for that question. So I think the first thing that we had to do in, in Stellenbosch uh, was to understand the context and the, um, uh, the perceptions out there. And, you know, like you say, you know, a space that is perceived to, to be the, the bastion of white power. It, it's a space that people think has got a lot of money. Uh, and I did allude to the historical context with Stellenbosch University being the university that was sort of like the intellectual hub of apartheid ideology. So all of these things, you know, coalesce together to really uh, create a, a perception of Stellenbosch. And for me, the important thing really was when I came to, to do this work with the Stellenbosch uh, Triennale was to democratize art, was to understand the, the, the context of um, uh, of South Africa, but of Stellenbosch as well. You know, Stellenbosch, like any other South African uh, town or city, is polarized around, you know, um, the space, the geography of the space still very much mirrors the apartheid ideology of black people stay in this neighborhood, white people stay in this uh, neighborhood, and so on and so forth. So I, the first thing that we did was to say, whatever we're going to do with the Stellenbosch Triennale, uh, whatever... Um, uh, enactment that we're going to do, we're going to have to make it free. So my my approach was actually to, for lack of a better terminology, was to be like a parasite to to the institution of Stellenbosch. If I'm to take the metaphor of Stellenbosch as a as a town or as an institution, and to say how are we going to use the resources around Stellenbosch to actually upend these kind of stereotypes and actually open up the space for new conversations and new narratives, you know, that are going to dilute or poison or, you know, uh, destabilize the hegemonic narratives that have always been uh, the norm in this town. So the first thing was to make the Stellenbosch Triennale free. So everything that we did with the Stellenbosch Triennale was free. Anyone could just come. You didn't have to pay even a single cent, a single rand to to get into anything. The second thing that we 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 fought through, which wasn't easy, um, was to primarily all the artists were actually black. All the artists that um, participated in the three um, seminal exhibitions of uh, the Stellenbosch Triennale. Well, I mean, the main exhibition, because the other one was in, like an archive which looked at the. Okay. 
Stellenbosch University art, uh, art collection and Forte art collection, but that's a conversation for another time. But the main curator's exhibition at Black Artists were coming from all over the continent, from all over the African continent. And what we did, Storm, was to say, don't make work in Nigeria, don't make work in Kenya, don't make work in Ghana. We will bring you to Stellenbosch, uh, you know, some time prior to the Triennale, move around Stellenbosch, feel Stellenbosch, you know, get a sense of what it is to live in Stellenbosch and then find whatever materials, tell us what you need, you know, because they were going to make, you know, like installation um, specific works. And so we asked artists to, artists said, drive us around some, we drove to farms, we drove everywhere in Stellenbosch and they were picking up things that they were like, okay, I could use this to make work. So. Most of the artworks that were made from the Stellenbosch Triennale were actually from the materials that people sourced within the Western Cape, but they had stayed in Stellenbosch. So the artworks that they produced, some of them actually reflected the, um, uh, their experience of having stayed in Stellenbosch, which was really, I think, uh, quite important because then you couldn't go, you couldn't rush and say, ah, but, you know, the race the race issues around south africa have always been there so we're not going to listen to you because this is somebody who would have come from kenya you know a month ago and they're producing work that's speaking to the issues that people have been speaking to so that we found that it opened up a space for really uh, the difficult conversations that needed to to happen because these artists were not uh, mainly south african artists they were coming from all over the continent and they become sort of like a neutral uh, Abitas to say, you know, this is what we have found. This is what we have produced. So we've got an artist from Kenya, Kaloki Nyamai, for example, who did this really beautiful installation. Um, he literally built like a hot box, like a hot house, like a sauna. Um, and then he found cow dung uh, from one of the farms here. And then, you know, so when you went there, what was beautiful is that the smell, you know, the smell of the cow dung in this like literally hot box. And the reaction of people that came in was quite interesting. And he called this artwork, um, your comfort is my discomfort. Yeah, yeah. And the conversations that were happening there were quite interesting because some people were getting there and they were like, oh, it smells and it's hot. And then some people were coming and like, oh, my God, this cow dung reminds me of my grandmother. And then it was a beautiful moment because that artwork then, the conversations that people in Selimbosh, just ordinary people started having around that artwork or outside that artwork, you were just like, this is what it's about. You know, these people would never have been in a context where they would speak to each other, you know, but now they're having like really deep conversations around, you know, issues and, and themes. And so it was, it was a beautiful moment to, to experience that. But maybe for you, I think you, you I mean, the Zeitsmoker is, um, is a really, I see it as a very, very important institution, not only in South Africa and in, uh, but I think actually on the African continent, uh, context, but you did allude earlier that both you and me, we are in, you know, you're in Cape Town and I'm in Stellenbosch and we are both in cities that are seen sometimes as, you know, very much cities that privilege whiteness. And I wonder how um, your work, you found your work at the Zeitzmoker in terms of, you know, just um, race, identity and politics. Yeah, Mike. I mean, I hear you. It's a, you know, this is a, it's a, it's a constant engagement there. Um, you know, Cape Town also is, you know, there's a saying that's that 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 that, that uh, it's a little controversial, but I'm going to say it. It says that that Cape Town is the only city where apartheid ever worked, and yeah. still works. 
um, you know, for us to really kind of get into, and a, and a, a friend of mine, social a sociology friend of mine, once also men said, and that it, and when she said it, it was it's so real. We can only really transform our cities if we remake them completely, because apartheid sits everywhere. It sits in kind of how segregated our neighborhoods are, um, how transport routes work and networks work, um, how bylaws operate. Um, so there are visible and invisible ways that race still affects our daily lives here um, in, in a city like Cape Town. And of course, you know, you go from one neighborhood, which is, you know, the most expensive properties on the continent, yes. um, to a couple of kilometers down the road, where people live in abject poverty. So it's a it's a it's stark contrast here. So how does one make sense of it um, as somebody working in the cultural field? Now, um, I maybe say something also likewise controversially, like, you know, museums yeah. and galleries don't necessarily are not there to kind of correct all the ills of society, but we have an important role to play in that process. Um, yeah. And and, and I think kind of how we navigate inequality and especially inequality in, in our context, which is, is, is not only economically, um, you know, is, 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 is the question. So there's various ways that one can approach it. So um, it is make, making the museum accessible. Um, we, you know, kind of did just opened last week, Thursday, um, an exhibition where we invited anybody in Cape Town to bring in an artwork to be installed in the show. And Koyo Kuo was very clear about this, that we that's, this is how we should open the museum, again, after a seven-month reopening. So anybody that brought an artwork, we made an undertaking that we can install that artwork on the walls. Um, and so we did. Um, and we also understand that you know kind of access is not the same for everybody so getting into the city if you're in an outlying area is not easy so we also had collection points in six other um you know kind of cities in the larger metropolitan um, oh, wow. that people could bring work so we we sent a truck to and staff actually museum staff went to to art centers and places all over the city um and we we had uh, trucks going around picking up the work and bringing it to the museum um, and that exhibition is up now. You know, we, we've had over 1,700 artists now in the show. It's, um, it's hung salon style, but again, also not without any kind of like, you know, kind of hierarchy um, yeah. and, and around thematic arrangements. But that's one gesture, you know, like it's not, it's not going to correct everything that's wrong in the art world or, or with the museum situation, but we have a responsibility to keep on. And especially, I think, with the pandemic, it really was a shock to the system to say that we have to radically rethink and re rethink and reposition ourselves because it's not only about survival, it's like it's a responsibility that we have. So that's one way of doing it. Of course, you know, um, it's not you know, kind of paying a museum ticket. It costs money. Getting into the city costs money. But yeah, I think there's, there's ways over time that, that we we will kind of take away the and, and you know where the, the the barriers that are there um, needs to resolve and so in that we also have a position then that we can talk to politicians and engage with with the city in various kind of ways um, 
and that we use that responsibly um, also. So I don't know. I mean, I said a couple of wild things no, here. No, I think I think it's quite important that you um, that answer. And I really like this the, this idea of the symbolic gestures. You know, I'm I, I've been following the exhibitions that you you guys currently opened, and I think it's a very very important uh, gesture in Cape Town. Uh, in general, but also in particular, just in the times that we are living in, and I think it's a it's a fantastic uh, method of democratizing art because anyone, um, as I understand it, anyone could bring an artwork to the uh, to the museum, and you guys, like you said, you had a responsibility to hang it, and I think the the pride and the the sense of just like people then you know um, feeling like this is our museum. You know, this is this is this actually belongs to us. I think it was so important. It was an important exhibition. It's an important exhibition in just opening up that channel of, you know, what you know, for people who always have this idea that you know, getting into a gallery space is difficult, or you know, getting into a museum is difficult, or getting your artwork um, uh, exhibited in a in mm -hmm. a art space is difficult. I think it was important for an institution uh, of the stage of Zeit Mocha to to actually do that. But you, you touched on something really, really important that, you know, at the end of the day, we are only art institutions, you know, and artists and curators and creatives. Um, we've got politicians who actually came up with some of the problems that, you know, art is trying to deal with, but we can't uh, upend these problems because the people with the real power and the people with taxpayers' money and the people who are empowered by policy and state power to change these things are actually municipalities, city councils, uh, uh, mayor, provincial gov governments, and the you know national government. So what we can do is only really maybe try to lobby these guys, but you know they're also dealing with political con complexities uh, that might make them actually make decisions that might look illogical to us but you know that's that's the politics and that's the political game that they play so i think it's quite important um to not really put unrealistic expectations on art institutions and artists <laughs> because i think the complexity that we are dealing with they're also politicians let's not forget that they are politicians and, well, and sure. i think there's also, um sometimes um uh what's the word uh, People think that art institutions or artists or, you know, things like the Sterenbosch Triennale have got unlimited budgets. They think we, you know, there's there's money to do anything and everything when the opposite is actually true, <laughs> you know. Um, I don't know about your institution, but we we didn't get any a single cent from, like, the Ministry of Arts and Culture, for example, you know, even though we tried. So it's very difficult to run projects. It's very difficult to run exhibitions. And I think it's quite important to, to, to put that into context that that then limits sometimes the, the expectations. There's a gap between what people think is the reality with an institution or with a triennale or with a biennale and the actual reality. And I think that's quite important as well. And what's, what art institutions and what's things like the Stellenbosch Triennale can actually achieve and what they can't achieve. We can't change policy. We can't change housing. We can't change, you know, uh, transportation, for example. You can only do so much in terms of like, and I like that you guys were brilliant in, you know, providing transportation and collection points and things like that. We had the same problem, you know. Uh, we are in Stellenbosch. Of course, we want everybody in Cape Town to come and see the uh, Stellenbosch yeah. Triennale, but the train doesn't work. You know, the train, Stellenbosch Triennale cannot fix the trains. You know, we're not the yeah. Ministry of Transport and, you know. So 
I think the expectations are also, we have to manage the expectations of what art can do. Absolutely, Mike. And, but I, I also just don't want us to be complacent about things. And, um, you know, I think that's where, where this notions of, you know, where we also have to stay self-critical. Um, yeah. I got a questionnaire from a, a, you know, was invited for an interview about a, <laughs> from a famous New York-based major museum for the newsletter. And one of the questions was, it posed and says, like, it, it was a question about museums being public and about public culture and the role of museums. I'm like, we just have to, first of all, also understand that museums are not public, okay? Um, yeah. You know, it's uh, it's one of the most highly controlled environments in so many levels, and we charge fees. It's not public culture. You know, like public culture happens, you know, let's, re- let's define that a little bit better. But at the same time, I think, like, we, there's also, we understand the importance and the role. I don't want to problematize the museum or institution or triennale or biennale to such a yeah. point where we just, where it's completely redundant or reductive. But yeah. I do think there's a self-criticality that we constantly have to to have and and ask the difficult questions. And even if we don't have the kind of answers for it. And I want yeah. to make almost kind of a connection to to whiteness in this. And so this is also how I understand you know, kind of being, you know, my own subjectivity within this environment, you know, kind of like to a constant self-criticality and also to to listen and hear and to sometimes shut up um, yeah. and just hear what is being said. But it also makes me think a little bit and maybe a bit of a tangent, but and something that Lorena Grady said, um, she's, a, she's an extraordinary artist, um, New York-based, and has done, you know, incredible work um, also, uh, you know, theoretical in writing around blackness and and post blackness, uh, but she 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 did a was talking at a book launch and and um, at the Brooklyn Museum that I that I that I attended, and she said something quite um, you know quite intensely, you know that I think we've been grappling with also you know for the last while thinking around. I mean, it's an American context, but she said the following. She said, we're at a tipping point where um, where white supremacy would not yeah. need white people anymore. So in a context like America, what does that mean? You know, um, and in a context like South Africa, what does that mean too? But I think there's some really kind of like, you know, kind of intensely, uh, you know, questions that we that we grapple with and that we need to kind of address and think about as well. So, uh, sorry, it's a, a couple of like more loose thoughts, but I, I, I think we just need to kind of like constantly be on the kind of watch and on the lookout. And, and I take this also thinking about my own, my own personal self and identity also very, very strongly. No, it's profound. It's it's profound. It's profound. And it's not easy work. Um, it's not easy work. I know we, we were we were questioned quite a lot in in Stellenbosch, you know, if you're only having black artists, does that mean, you know, you're against us, you're, you know, this and that. So I think that the the background conversations and the background uh, complexities that people and art practitioners have to deal with are not not always uh, the easiest uh, to deal with. But I really like that, what you said that, you know, um, from the quotation that you gave that, Whiteness is getting to a point where it actually won't need white people to uh, 
to 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 survive or to carry on do you mind just unpacking that a little bit like what what how would you think that means in south africa in the south african context it just means that you know kind of that 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 systems of of um you know kind of it's so embedded in our structures you know and that, that it becomes so embedded in institutions um mm. and i think I, I i see this in a from a kind of institutional perspective um maybe more so because in the context where it was uttered and it was also in relation to uh, a book by runa de souza around protests against you know kind of racial racial um kind of uh, protests um, against major art institutions in the US, you know, kind of so issues around race that sparked kind of like visible protest with people arriving, you know, with placards outside institutions like the Metropolitan Museum in New York and the Whitney, um, the Whitney Museum. So um, that, so, so first of all, I, you know, just to qualify that, but um, it is just that, that kind of, that it also that that white supremacy is something then that needs to be constantly we need to constantly remind us in a constant dismantling from the inside that needs to happen um yeah. so sorry that's some of the ways that i think it is and that that it's just a, a kind of awareness to 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 self as well of what that means and that whiteness replicates itself um you know, and and just need to be constantly dismantled. For sure, for sure, for sure. Uh, Tom, we are reaching the, the hour mark. Should we do one more question? And then I think question seven is quite interesting. Representation of Africa in popular culture continues to skew and misrepresent reality. What are your thoughts on the possibilities art can provide in presenting true or more experimental uh, representations? Um, <laughs> you know, depends on from which position you look at it. You know, like I think, you know, some of the popular culture that that I'm interested in, you know, it seems I think it's from here, so it has a has definitely a kind of engagement. I mean, I'm a little bit loath to comment on, you know, kind of American, uh, you know, kind of like popular culture and its relationship to Africa, I think maybe that's where things get a little bit more skewed. Um, yeah. Or kind of like, but but I don't know. I mean, I think it's, my sense definitely from a continental perspective is that it's, it's very robust and, and beautiful um, and that it tells that so many stories that's, I think also with social media, that's become mm. very rich and beautiful and and kind of reflecting of something that's complex and, rejuvenating and yeah but yeah uh so for me i i mean i was really interested because it says representation of african popular culture continues to skew and misrepresent reality i think it's for me i can link it to the previous point that you were talking about that you know maybe whiteness doesn't need white people to survive anymore because i think from time immemorial since the time of colonization there's a discourse that has been created of what africa is you know and by and large it's a negative discourse so if you're looking at the um, uh, cultural institutions or the cultural industry like hollywood for example you know it might not require white faces to to portray uh, africans in film in a particular way but you know the white faces might not be there but they are the 
there's the, the money people, the people who are controlling behind the scenes, you know. So I think what's, what we might need to do, um, firstly, is that there is this question of, you know, what does it mean to say, you know, representation of Africa in popular culture continues to skew and misrepresent reality? Which reality? Because who, what position are you sitting at to say this is the true representation of Africa? You know, I think it's a question mark that we still need. It's a question that we need to to grapple with. But I think we are beginning to see more and more investments in the uh, in the cultural fields on the continent. And I wish governments could uh, could really understand the value uh, in our cultural ministries. And I'm really disappointed in that uh, in most African countries. That's my political background now coming into the fore that in most African countries, South Africa included, those who had like the Ministry of Arts and Culture, it's actually seen as a demotion in politics. So you don't usually get the most competent people. Somebody who has failed elsewhere, but they still just want to be accommodated in 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 cabinet. So they say, ah, okay, let's give you that ministry. That's not really important. And I think that's that's where the mistake starts because this is a big, big industry and we've got, uh, just to move away from like maybe art, but we've got, you know, you're seeing inroads with uh, organizations like Netflix being interested in African content. Um, and if we don't begin to tell our stories and to invest in, you know, telling our stories in, 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 in terms of quality and in content and really, making it a, a, a industry that young people can actually say, I'm going to make a career out of this, you know, we are going to, we're always going to have somebody tell our stories for us, you know, but I think in the, in the art industry, in the industry that you and me are in, I think we're beginning to see really, really interesting moves in, um, in investments, you know, what Ibrahim Ahama and crew are doing in, in Ghana, uh, I alluded earlier to these kinds of institutions, nascent institutions that young people are yeah. beginning to create. And I think that's important in creating uh, or in representing uh, Africa by Africans, you know, whatever that representation is, you know. Um, I think if you've got a majority of people who are speaking from within and who are telling their own stories, whether that's visually, whether that's via music, whether that's via any other art form, I think that's 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 really important, but I think we need investments in there. I once went to a, to a curatorial workshop where we were challenged that curators actually have got a responsibility to create new audiences, and that has stayed with me for quite some uh, some yeah. time. Because I'll give you an example for for myself. You know, I've got friends who studied IT and all sorts of other things, and. I can tell them how to spend their money or how, why they should spend their money on what they spend their money on. But the amount of money that they spend on whatever they decide to spend on, be they gadgets, be they whatever. And if you think this person can actually by now have been like, a, you know, steady in their way of like collecting art, they can afford art, you know. But there isn't like a bridge that has been built to just say, look, man, come to this world. Because they always see like art openings, they associate, it's, it's almost like a misrepresentation in an association of what the art world is. It's seen as this, oh, you know, I won't be welcome. I can't actually afford the arts. Of course, there's art that you can't afford that I can't afford, but there's, you can, you know, with the money that I know that people spend on all sorts of things, or even sometimes yeah. going out, 
you know, I'm like, you know what? My friend in IT who is in Jobek, we ends this amount. You know, you could have been a collector by now, you know? So um, I think that has stuck with me, this idea that, you know, some curators, you also have a responsibility to create Absolutely. new audiences. And it's something that I always try to do um, within my context and within my friends group um, and family to be like, guys, you can actually become collectors. And you're, you're not collecting just, you know, you're collecting your history, you're collecting your heritage, you're collecting your, your contemporary culture, you know, you're collecting your, uh, your visual culture. And I think that's important. Absolutely, Mike. And I think that uh, I'd I love what you say about that we have to, yeah, have to make new, make, make it, create new audiences or make, make things possible or open it up. That just reminds me about a conversation that I had with our, you know, our head of the Center for Art Education at Salzmoker, Liesl Hartmann, on, on yeah. Thursday, just after the opening of, of the museum. And one of her mentors told her when she was a student that, you know, kind of as an art educator or as an educator, there's her, her responsibility, your responsibility is to remove barriers. Um, you know, so, so, and I thought just that's such an incredible way of thinking about the way the work that we do is like on so many levels with the, you know, it is about the kind of barriers, perceived barriers that might be there. Um, or they might the, the real barriers that might be be uh, perceived and real. Of course, they they're all the same. It's that's much a barrier. But uh, and that 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 are kind of workers is, is is on that on that level. Um, I I think also what you touch on a little bit is the art market. And I think there's also still a lot of work to be done in terms of that. But I think um, we live very closely with you know, with culture, um, it's something that is, that we connected to, um, in very, you know, integral ways. Um, and if a museum or a triennale, you know, kind of is a reflection of, of that, that beauty and complexity, then, um, I think that's a, that's a wonderful place to be. Yeah. Uh, Tom, I'm just going to say one last thing because I think we should just say one last, um, one last comment. Sure. You know, I want to, there's something that's beautiful that's actually happening within the South Africa and within the Western Cape in particular. And I think both institutions, uh, various institutions and various, um, um, you know, like art practitioners are creating like a really beautiful ecosystem within uh, the Western Cape. I know this because even when we, you know, we, we did launch our triennale at the, at the Zeitz. We came to the Zeitz. We spoke to you guys. Um, we told you what we wanted to do. We told you what we are trying to do and how we are going to be um, a different, you know, aspect of the ecosystem that we can all benefit from within the Western Cape. And I think it's, it's, quite, in, in, um, it's quite important. Sometimes you go to cities where, you know, sometimes art institutions, they've got like these petty beefs and they don't speak to each other and whatever but mm-hmm. i think in the in the western cape and i know that's that's also been coming from your from your institution there's been a push to that to really open the institution to be like we're in this together you know we can grapple with the problems and the issues that we are all dealing with together and i think it's a beautiful thing and i just wanted to comment uh, to commend you and your your institution for doing that and i know you guys always reach out which is really really um uh, refreshing and important and um and i think it's something that's really important and uh, 
within the Western Cape. So there isn't this idea of like competition, so to speak. And I think we know, we, we all understand, which is really, I think, something that we should commend the practitioners within the Western Cape. Uh, obviously, not everyone, but I think by and large, there's an understanding that we are in this together. And if we work together, we can actually create a really, really, um, you know, uh, powerful ecosystem within the Western Cape where everyone has got their role and position to play. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to end on that and to really commend the work that you are doing um, and your institution is doing in really opening up uh, the space for, for, for all kinds of creatives and well, for all institutions to really collaborate. And I think that's the key word, your collaboration within, within this ecosystem. And I think you, you guys are doing fantastic. Uh, on that front. Mike, thank you so much. And um, I would also need to really acknowledge the leadership, you know, of the museum, you know, I mentioned Koyo Kuo a lot, but yeah. really there is an extraordinary vision um, that, that, that visionary that, that, that I work with and for, which has been absolutely an extraordinary journey so far. Um, and you're right, that is the ethos. And if we could, and also the work that, that you have done and that the Triennale is also doing, I think our, we, we, we also, this, this notion of ecosystem and creating, working on and building it, it's also something that I think is important to, to develop beyond our borders, you know. So yeah. can you just imagine? And we're already doing this work. You are doing the work of making this connection to to others further afield um, and the rest of the continent. Um, I think it's a it's a beautiful journey ahead. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Storm. It's been a pleasure, such a pleasure uh, chatting to you and learning so much about your practice and your thoughts. Uh, so thank you for sharing your you know your your practice and your your intellect um, with us and with me as well. Um, I really Mike, appreciate it. It's such a pleasure and likewise, and I look forward to, to seeing you soon at the museum, okay? Fantastic. Thank you. Take care, right? Oh,